Hello to all my autoimmune warriors. If you have found this podcast, that means that you do autoimmune disease differently. I am your host, Christy Burke. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and a self-proclaimed AI warrior just like you. Let's get into the show. Just a disclaimer here. This show does not diagnose or treat or give out any medical advice. Any guests that we have on the show are simply stating their experience. Hi, Elizabeth. Good morning, Christy. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you for coming on the show. In 2008, Elizabeth's son came down with a case of strep throat at the age of 11. After receiving antibiotics, he seemed to start feeling better, but then his behavior became erratic. After consulting with numerous doctors, specialists, and undergoing many tests, Elizabeth's son was diagnosed with pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections, which is called PANDAS, and he was prescribed psychiatric medication, and they were sent on their way. Her son only got worse over the course of the next two years. He began having uncontrollable compulsions and ended up in a juvenile detention center at the age of 13. His psychiatric symptoms were replacing his physical symptoms. Elizabeth realized that her son's immune system was misfiring. Around the same time, unfortunately, Elizabeth was diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome, experienced hair loss, limb numbness, and more. Elizabeth decided to take matters into her own hands. She quit her job and dedicated her life to finding the real root of her son's health issues. She discovered that both herself and her son were infected by a bacterial called mycoplasma pneumonia. She was able to follow a treatment plan and finally solve her health issues. Today, Elizabeth uses her experience and her expert wellness team to help others at What's Wrong Wellness and is an author of What's Wrong With My Child and America is Infected, which has become an Amazon bestseller. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Yes, I was so excited about that and so really just shocked and just in, in the category of child psychiatry, which was that much more just miraculous to me because it's been such a long road, you know, trying to educate and, and learn on my own. Sure. And so just to see that it's, you know, in there with the other child psychiatrists was just very uh, best part of 2021, actually. Great. So go ahead and, and start from 2008, or you can even start prior to that. If there are things looking back that you saw as signs, of course we do, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'll start, you know, back when uh, he was very young, he had a history, my son, Cody, we'll call him, um, had, he was born, you know, a little jaundiced. And and that was kind of my first, like, what? I mean, because I worked out every day. I had a, you know, master's in fitness and and sports nutrition, and I ran a nutrition program, Um, worked out, didn't smoke, didn't drink, ate healthy, all the right things during pregnancy, happy marriage, you know, check all the boxes. Mm -hmm. And so then for him to be so sick when he was, you know, three, six, nine months was confusing. You know, he had several bouts with pneumonia. Um, Fast forward, he seemed to have gotten better from that. And um, 
we moved down here, Franklin, to start a second spa. I had a spa in Paducah, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And when we got down here, he had a few more bouts, you know, but then they just kind of went away. We didn't think much about them. I mean, the things that I remember as him being really young is lining up his cars, like lining them up from the front of the toy store all the way to the back wall, like at nine months old and just waddling. I mean, it was, it was, I thought it was adorable at the time. I didn't realize uh-huh. it was like a sign of things to come, you know? And so I guess that was kind of like, I just thought it was perfectionism, but apparently it was some, some signs of OCD maybe. Okay. Um, and then when he was maybe three or four, a lot of issues with textures, like clothes and socks, mm-hmm. nothing just felt right. Nothing felt right. I mean, just cry. Like they just want to wear it, you know, of course I'm going to make him wear it. Yeah, he misbehavior at the daycare, and I was like, well, he's just a boy. You know, I mean, it's just all these things that are easily explained away. Sure. You know, and then we fast forward to where he's, you know, maybe eight or nine years old, and his father and I ended up separating. And so he went through some things, and of course, you know, everybody thinks it's stress and goes to the therapist, and we did all of those things, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's where we were. When in November of 2010, he got a strep infection, but it was a little different because he was kind of rolling around on the ground, grabbing his stomach. And what I didn't realize at the time that I know now is strep throat is not just strep throat. I mean, there's perianal strep, there is skin strep, there is strep, group B strep in your nose. I mean, there is all kinds of strep that we don't even really know about. And so the quick strep test, you know, sometimes will show it, sometimes it won't. But okay. in this case, it did. And he got a couple of weeks of antibiotics. And so the physical symptoms seemed to improve. And so when he came down, all of a sudden, overnight, with these bizarre, extreme symptoms, I didn't even connect it to the strep. You know, it was Christmas time. And I was in there working, trying to work. The Christmas tree was up. And he began, like, unbuttoning his shirt. Like sitting right beside me, unbuttoning it, buttoning it back up, down and up, over and over. And then like shirt off and on. I was like, okay, stop being weird. You know how you, you're like, stop, what are you doing? Because at this you know, point, he's how old? He is like 10. Okay. Just barely turned, maybe barely turned 11. Right. Barely turned okay. 11. Okay. He's, he's kind of hard to keep all the timelines straight. Sure. Um, and so I was like, okay, buddy, that's cool. You know, but he really wouldn't leave my side either which looking back now, I know is parental separation anxiety, but I didn't, I was like, so then he starts like walking back and forth across the transition strip from the kitchen to the dining room. I mean, to the living room, back and forth, back and forth. But he was putting his foot in a specific spot. Uh-huh. You know? And I think what he told me later was that he couldn't like lead with his left foot on the line and um, redo it. Uh-huh. But of course, I'm just sitting there like not knowing about any of this stuff. Like, right. uh, okay. And I'm like, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Well, the next day he got up that morning and he like started to make a tent. Well, making a tent is normal for kids. I made tents all the time. Mm-hmm. This tent was really like times 10. Every single chair, every single blanket, every single sheet in the entire house. And that's a really big house. <laughs> pulled down to living room in this massive tent. But like, even when the tent was made, he was pulling down, making sure every little space uh, was covered uh-huh. and then he would cover that, you know? And then we got it done seven hours later, I guess. <laughs> he said he was going to sleep in it with his dog rusty. And I'm like, cool. You know, so he slept in it. And I thought, and the next morning he didn't wake up. He was really tired. Not even cooked bacon and eggs and all that. He still is just tired. And then when he did get up, you could tell he was a lot worse. 
And I had called the doctor like the day before. And I was like, something seems wrong, uh-huh. you know. And I like, go, oh, it's you know nothing. Well, when he did the tent thing, it would he wouldn't stop doing the tent thing because I was like, hey, let's you know whatever. And he just would not hear me. Like it was like I was tuned out, and he was on this mission to get this tent built. Of course, I didn't realize that was like a compulsion. I didn't know that then, but I was like, okay, so I call the doctor again. He's like, oh, I'm sure he's just playing a hide and go seek. Oh, that made me so mad. I was like, you know, I know, I know what hide and go seek is. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, this is uh, the best doctor, supposed to be the best doctor in our area. Gone to him since he was like two. My other child had gone to him. I didn't doctor hop. I went to one person. I was loyal, you know, and so it's like, okay, hide and go seek. Well, the third day, you know, there was no way that I could ignore it anymore because he, and I wasn't ignoring it to begin with, but I was like just going with it. But the third day he began to get paranoid. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but he began like looking at the window and I was like, what are you looking at? Somebody's looking in here. I'm like, no, they're not buddy. You know, I thought maybe he'd see the shadow, but then he starts like crawling under the window to get behind the Christmas tree and sat in the corner crouched up. And I was crouched behind there and I was just like, Hmm. You know, and, I mean, he looked terrified. He looked really scared. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I went over there and I was like, hey, buddy, let's look outside together. And there was just no consoling him. And so I said, well, why don't you come away from the window and go over here? And so when he did, he went over behind the other chair and I, and he just sat there crouched. And I looked behind him and he just crouched down and he looked up at me. And, and looking back now, his, his pupils were huge. I didn't, I mean, he just looked scared to me at the time. And if I'd known to look for large pupils, I would have been much better off. But right. I just, he was like, he started to cry. His little face tunes up. And he's like, I, I think there's bugs crawling on me. And I was like, there's not any bugs on you, you know? And he like starts to like scratch his arm almost like, like, you know, brushing them away. And so I said, well, you know what? I know that I'm not crazy. <laughs> I really do know I'm not crazy. And so I called a colleague of mine, it was in the, uh, one of my managers, and I just said, hey, can you come over and take a look at him? Because he knew him. So he comes over, and within like five seconds, he's like, there is something really wrong with him. Call the doctor back immediately, which gave me, you know, and sometimes we need to support other parents like that, yeah. you know, because it feels very alone when you're saying something so bizarre, and, and they're not believing you uh-huh. from day one. And so I call back. Now, fortunately... Um, it was a different doctor that answered because I guess he was on call and I described the symptoms and he basically just said, so this sounds like an acute onset of pandas. You need to take him to the emergency room at Vanderbilt. Well, immediately, like, you know, you hear something, someone say something so definitively and, and you just assume it's like, okay, it's like, I mean, I hate to say this, but like cancer is like anything that you would just know what it is. Since somebody it's, it's urgent, you've got to go now. So me, I Googled it really quickly and all that came up was panda bears. And I was like, I was like, what is a pandas, you know? And I scrolled down because I told him to go get packed up. And one of the other kids went and got his stuff together because he wasn't that budgy. Um, I scrolled down and I saw one site or one link and it said pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections. And I just went, what the heck? You know, then I just read the first paragraph and I just my stomach dropped because I immediately have a degree in biology, minor in chemistry, you know, and so I have a lot of experience in those things and I did do well in school, (laughs) paid attention, and I immediately recognized the description as um, that similar to rheumatic fever where strep can can get infused antibodies, which to be honest, never made sense to me 
25 years ago anyway. I was like, how does stroke confuse an animal? Anyway, so basically <laughs> there's molecular mimicry yeah. and your tissue gets attacked by your own antibodies, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yep. Well, you know, back when we were in college, this was like a rare, serious thing, you know? And they're like, all of a sudden now, oh, this is his brain? Whoa. Well, immediately I'm thinking, okay, he can never get struck again if this is what it is. Uh-huh. Like just instinctively. Right. So we go to the emergency room, unbeknownst to me, they like knew nothing about it. And the ones that knew something about it had taken the position that it wasn't a real thing, but nobody gave me the memo. So I go in there just thinking I'm signing him in for the pandas doctor. And that's not, I said, we need to see the panda specialist. Those are my exact words. You know, why wouldn't I say that? <sighs> and um, in comes all these people. And mind you, I owned a spa for my you know, 20 years of career, spa consultant, you know, cellulite devices, skincare. I really didn't even go to the doctor. It took him, but I didn't need to go. Mm-hmm. And so like, I didn't understand all the workings of the emergency room. And so that's really what I like to do these shows is to just educate people. Like really just don't say anything. I mean, cause you don't know if it's a psychiatrist, a neurologist, a caseworker, a DCS investigator, I mean, a, a hospital internist, you don't know who it is, you know? And so you say, I want to see the panda specialist to the psychiatrist. You're getting a lot of notes in your record. Uh-huh. As I later found out in court, we, I got to pull everything through a discovery and a full legal, legal medical record. And I think it was just fascinating and disgusting to just watch the story unfold behind the scenes. Uh. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to tell people this because you're just naive as a parent, desperate, you're scared, yeah. you know, and you just think everyone's there to like help and you're going to come in and fix your kid. And, you know, you're just trusting. I was. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was they're all just came in and they did end up admitting him doing a spinal tap, um, and doing uh, several other tests, keeping him for three days. I didn't know is that he had also had been diagnosed with pneumonia at the time. Wow. So he had stroke and pneumonia. I'm going to delete this. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, at the same time. And I didn't, and they never told me that. And I went back, you know, three years later and read that. So he, the, the story was that he's still positive for stroke. This is two weeks after the fact. He's still positive for strep. And I'm like, I know he took every bit of that pink medicine. And after the (laughs) antibiotics. Yeah. Yeah. After the two weeks, I'm like, I gave it down to the last drop. Yes. Is that very anal? And so I just was like, how is it still here? Well, they ended up giving him IV antibiotics and also for the three days. And um, he got better. So they come in and they're like, we're going to discharge him. And I'm like, this children, what, what does he have? And I'm like, we don't really know. And I'm like, let me see those papers you've been, because writing papers down, all, writing papers all the time. And I'm like, I see those papers. <laughs> and I think being in business, I'm like, we have that. <laughs> so he's like, what's that? No. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Would you just write down? And so I waited until a guy that wasn't so, I mean, they were kind of, I don't know, it was hard to describe, a little bit overbearing maybe, mm-hmm. or protective of these documents. Okay. Show me a little bit more like I want the document. So I waited for another guy to come in that wasn't. I said, let me see the chart. <laughs> so I read it and it said psychosis resolved. That was a diagnosis. Hmm. And I was like, psychosis resolved. So the doctor came in and I said, so if the psychosis is resolved, how did the psychosis get there in the first place? And how did you resolve it? Right. 
And um, he just looked at me. We, we don't really know. I mean, because like by the time we got to the emergency room, he was also having, and this is very important, um, hallucinations, but not normal ones. Like, you know, you see it in the movies. Like he was hearing things okay. and seeing things, but they were real mild. Like you might not have pinpointed it unless looking backward on the story, you know, but he was hearing songs like over and over hearing songs playing when okay. there weren't any songs playing, you know? So anyway, that's a big thing. And so I, so I think we need to draw these anti-DNA speed titers, which was funny because I didn't even know what that meant, but I'd seen it on that one link. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the common denominator in these kids. I think we need like to know. So they did. And they waited to discharge until they came back and his titers were 1480. Okay. Of course, in my mind at the time, I'm thinking that meant he had strep. That means he has strep B, okay, which is important for you to put out. So anyway, we go home and on the way out, the discharge instructions say, take him to therapy, CBT, and we're going to put him on Zoloft. Cognitive behavioral therapy and Zoloft was what they suggested. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just went, I mean, my mouth fell to the floor. It was my mom is a master's in social work and she was really big into the psych route. And so I was raised, I mean, inundated, knowing the psych meds, knowing the psych diagnoses. I mean, honestly, before this started, like when we had stress in our family, we went straight to the therapist, like, you know, because that's just how I grew up. Mm-hmm. So I was aware of it. And so I knew it was a lot was. And I was like, you're really on Zoloft or a stress? And right then, it just, and we're going to therapy. Like, is a therapist going to, like, you know, change the behavior of us? Start bacteria? I mean, how's this going to work? Right. So we go afterwards. Now, this is very important, too, is, like, if you don't go to the doctor in the same institution that you got the recommendation from, they don't know you went. So when I called the next day, it was six months before he could get into the CBT therapist at Vanderbilt. Um, that it that they had said to go to. And so I found another one because I knew people. And so I got mm-hmm. him in like the next day and we started the next week. He started the Zoloft. We started the CBT and we went like every week for 52 weeks, like every week, all year. Okay. And the thing that I noticed was that, I mean, and I was all into it. I mean, like, and, and, you know, it's funny because we had adopted two kids okay. from the state of Tennessee a couple of years before this happened. And they were so sweet. You know, and so there we are, all three. And now my oldest child had already moved out. So all three of us going into this therapist, trying to solve our family problems. And, you know, one week it's per, and we're all, all into it. There's detachment. Or, I mean, every single word. And I'm like, what's that? So I buy a 400 page book on it. I read it. I'm like, you've got this, you know, so I'm buying it hook, line and sinker. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I gotta fix these kids. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> Digging in, right? With these kids. Yeah, like the thing that it was is my adopted kids when we first got them, we had taken them to the six months of therapy to, you know, they didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, why do they have that now? Hmm. And so these things just start like ticking in my head. Like this doesn't make any sense, but I'm going along, spending the money, uh-huh. spending the money. And so there's ups and downs. And finally it gets into like, you know, where she's, she's like, so now it, every week it was something different. It was like, she was really trying to figure it out too. But at one point, like, I don't know, some codependent issue. And I was like, they're like eight, they're like eight and 10. <laughs> <They're codependent. laughs> what? 
my gosh. So then in like the fall of next year, November, at the same time, he got it again. He got sick again. Cody did. And this time he was like at his dad's house. He was like going on with the therapy and stuff too. And everything's, you know, emotional and stress. And it's what, you know, we're told. And this time though, he brought it back because he got so sick. He started throwing up and he started, he was playing the guitar. He's really good at guitar. And he was jamming out with one of his dad's friends, like till pretty late in the night, but he couldn't get the guitar to stop playing in his head. So by the time he got to me, his eyes were sunken in, the guitar wouldn't stop. He was nauseous. He was, you know, the next day he was very sick and then, you know, couldn't even touch him. I ran across the, thankfully I'm just a documenter and I just was videoing everything. I ran across all those and I watched them the other day and it was just like pitiful, you know? And I was like, let's take him to the emergency room again. And then I was like, wait a minute, that didn't work last time. So what are we going to do? Finally, he threw up a lot and um, seemed to get a little bit of relief, but that Monday he had an appointment with a therapist and, and, by this time, like by Monday or Tuesday, he's feeling better physically. Uh-huh. He's horribly. He's what? Say act, that again. Act, acting horribly. Okay. So the codependent bullying has gone to here. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Well, what we know is now it's like really OCD, the siblings, and it's like escalated because of an infection, but we didn't know that then. So I like call that lady and I'm like, yeah, I need you to come to our house. She's like, that's a boundary violation. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you need to come to my house. <laughs> now, and she did. You know, she did. And she came over and she took one look at him because in the middle of him, like being so what people would say mean, mm-hmm. um, he was, he would lay down on the couch and like hold his stomach. Oh. And so she basically says, um, I don't, I can't see y'all anymore. He needs further medical rollouts. And I was like, that's what I've been saying. So you go back to the doctor and, you know, I should have said, we've been seeing another therapist. We need, she said, I should have taken the letter uh-huh. to the doctor. I didn't know to do that. You know, I figured he would just assume that I was doing what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Just, but it's yeah. quite the opposite. They assume that you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't realize that we had to like enunciate every one of our steps and put you, it in writing. And you really do have to advocate. And I mean, yeah. And like, part of me is like, it's really not your business. Like I'm doing what of course, I'm an adult. Of course I'm doing what they told me to do. Mm-hmm. But apparently he assumed that I wasn't doing it through this whole time. And so I called back to the nurse and I was like, yeah, we need further medical rollouts. She didn't ask any questions. And they're like, okay, gave me the name of three neurologists. I called them all. One hadn't even heard of pandas. One didn't believe in it. And one didn't give antibiotics. Because I was like, I think it's the doctor's job to give us the antibiotics to, like, stop getting the infections, the strep. Because by this time, I'm just, like, obsessed with it's strep, group-based strep. Right. And I'm thinking, that is it. Okay. Well, anyway, no, nothing panned out. And his behaviors went up and down for the next year. We did our best. And I think that was maybe, like, seventh grade, eighth grade, I can't remember, seventh grade, but the following year, um, basically they were saying it's a behavioral issue. I think I took him in because he was waking up early or something happened and always got anxiety. We're sending him to the therapist. I'm like, oh my God, we've been to the therapist. (laughs) We've been to the therapist. (laughs) (laughs) 
we've been to therapy so much. Like, He's codependent. We know that. He's <laughs> got 27 things therapeutically wrong with him. He just gets a penicillin. <laughs> And with this time, it's like, okay, well, he, he started having really noticeable restrictive eating. Oh. Now, looking back before the first onset, he had that too. But of course, we'd go in and he was on ADHD meds. So it was always that switch the meds, oh. switch the meds. Uh-huh. So ADHD in third grade, which I did forget to mention earlier. Sure. Um, so he'd conservative, Vyvanse, Adderall. And every time I'd take him because he'd get so skinny, but then he'd start eating again. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. That is it. How can ADHD meds make you not hungry for like two weeks? And then you're still on the same thing and you eat, you gain weight. It's still just like, so we took him back in, you know, a few times and anxiety, uh, food restriction, anorexia type things, you know, and the doctor just basically looked at me, even though I was like thinking I was proving that there was physical things going on. He just basically said, you know, this child has behavioral issues. Behavioral problems. So I didn't know at the time that he diagnosed him with that in his chart. Uh. Wrote, written it. And so my personality type was like, well, if he's got behavioral problems and that's what you think they are, I'm going to, I mean, if the parenting is the issue, that's an easy fix. You're, I mean, that's like, you're willing. Yeah. You're willing to, to do it, to, yeah. to fix whatever you're doing. Yeah. And it was almost comical because we just moved into a house and I was going through the boxes and I cannot believe that I found this, but like before any of this happened, my grocery list and kitchen inventory was the same as my spa dispensary inventory. And those kids like counted everything and we'd have like two backups or one backup. Uh And so it's like this very organized list and there was rewards and there was consequences and there was check sheets like they got these two ply tickets. Uh-huh. I mean, so it's like I thought I was doing okay. <laughs> you know? I thought this is what you know good parenting was. Right. You know, and so I found total transformation. I'm not sure if you've heard of that program. Being having your background by James Lehman. Uh-huh. If you heard of it, well, I'm like this is perfect parenting. You know, yeah. yeah. And so I ordered the whole kit. Quit consulting because I did travel quite a bit, not as much as my dad used to travel, but I mean, and I had nannies. Mm-hmm. So I thought, let's get let nannies go and let me right. just see, figure myself. So I get this big packet in the mail and it's like this long workbook and you've got to fill all this stuff out. And it, I guess it's like for people that really haven't ever done any of it, but it, it wasn't that much different from what I was doing, okay. but I implemented it to the T the, the, you know, we had family meetings and they had, and that, of course, I added a little Franklin Covey training in the mix since I was home. <laughs> you can't be getting a yeah. time management training in here while we're doing all this. <laughs> but it was so interesting because they were so excited about it. And we had their marbles and their debit cards and all this. And he was so excited about it. Uh-huh. And he would do good. And he would try so hard. And he it's almost like he would try harder than the other kids. But he just couldn't do it. Like, couldn't keep his hands to himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would just be, but it was on the rules in black and white. Yeah. This was the rule. And. You know, and so, I mean, we went through the gamut with that system and I watched all the DVDs and I guess it's fortunate I did because I learned about oppositional defiance disorder. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. Of course. That's where the kid's like, fuck you, I hate you, you're a bitch. You're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) 
Satan, get behind me. You're like, what is going on? I asked you if you wanted fish sticks. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what is Okay, no, I got it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like watching these videos, horrifying. Yeah. Because I'm like, what? Is this a thing? This is a, this is where we're headed. If I don't get, this is where I'm thinking in my head. This is like the next step of these therapeutic diagnoses. That's and I'm like, terrifying. Is, uh, yeah. Terrifying. So they probably grew the day they had told me about their 1-800 parental support line for a flat rate. <laughs> <laughs> and you called, I'm guessing. <laughs> Daily, hourly. So I did the I did the checkbox thing. I did that. We've gone over this. We've done the meeting. We're on page three. We've implemented this. Now, here's the issue. I mean, I think I knew every one of them by name. I think they like took turns answering my call, looking back, you know. And I mean, I think they just ran out of options mm. because like he wasn't really doing anything flagrantly bad. Okay. He just wasn't able to follow rules. It wasn't anything like, I'm going to, he wasn't at that level yet. Okay. But they were like, well, the next step is detention. I mean, no, calling a juvenile detention officer. And I was like, what? Or, or a cop, calling a cop, I guess. And, but they said it really nice. Like, I didn't have much experience with officers. Right. If you could solicit the help of your juvenile um, court, something they said. And I was like, oh, that sounds professional. <laughs> What is that? You know, like maybe that's what where we need. So, of course, I'm thinking that there's like this huge organization full of professionals that like come around you and sit down with your child in the case uh-huh. and go around the room and like weigh in on how you know you can get the test you need or maybe the penicillin you can't get over here. That's what I'm thinking uh-huh. in my head. Like totally fantasy, you know? Yeah, but. <laughs> But that's probably what you what you needed. So you were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And then I was like, oh, no. Well, so I called an officer because he did. I will tell you this. Like, and you know, it's so hard to tell. Like, is this eighth grade boy stuff or is this, you know, and I'm trying to err on the side of this. But then I see this. Well, I found a plate and they had like he and his friend that came over. They had, I found some eggs, which that's never a good sign. Eggs in mm-hmm. a, you know, 12 year old boy. And, and laughing. <laughs> and I found a plate with they had shaken some oregano and some powdered sugar. And I'm like, it had like a, and I'm like, are, is that, is that emulating drugs? <laughs> I was like, are, are, is this representing illegal substance? Right. Oh my God. Oh my God. Call the cops. That's what I call And I'm like, yes, sir, um, can you please come talk to my child about, you know, illegal substance use and the dangers of it? I mean, idiot. <laughs> Back down, I'm like, idiot. Guy <laughs> <laughs> comes over. I mean, and he's but, like. But at that point, things are escalating and they feel completely out of your control, right? Well, at this point, they were like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got to be a good parent. Or it's uh-huh. going to get to this level. If I don't, if uh-huh. I don't do this, I, this is going to like he's going to do that you and know? and become violent. Yeah, right. Because that's that's probably the worst thing that can possibly happen. Probably the worst thing that can happen. I mean, and we've got fully codependent. Yes. And we've got all these, and I'm just like my head is like exploding, and I'm like googling what's a what, what are those really really bad 
sociopath, like what is that? Uh-huh. Like, you know? Sociopathy and yeah. And I'm like, how do you reverse that? Like, yeah. this can't, you know, <laughs> this can't be happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, you just look under every rock. Mm-hmm. And so the guy comes over and he was nice enough, you know, and he told him not to do it. I said, it's like, okay, you know, mom, I'm sorry. I didn't really realize it would upset you like that. I mean, just like normal responses, you know, but still with the total transformation thing, poor thing, he never got a reward, you know? So, but I could see him trying. And so I went home to the side. I'm like, you know, you're really trying. I saw you. And I, oh, they want you to work with the school administration. So I drive out there 20 miles away. 20 minutes to get there. It's a windy road out in the country. And I go introduce myself to the vice principal. Of course, I did know me from before, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to work with you this year. And anytime there's a problem, I want you to call me. Here's my cell phone number. And I want you to wait until I arrive. And I'm going to sit next to you and support you. And we're going to do this as a team. And he's going to see that the adults are united and I support the disciplinary. Yeah. 27 trips. Wow. I made out there to that school that year. But I was committed. And what I noticed was like, they would come in clumps. Okay. So keep me great for like a couple of months or like a month. Mm-hmm. And I get an email. Cody's running down the hall, flailing his arms. And I'm like, that's weird. Huh. Now, looking back, that's neurological. Ah. That's neurological. Flailing rolling around and the the tough part of this is that like as the kids age and based on their sex it looks different every month six months year okay because you get the hormones mixed in and so you like you haven't seen that before and you don't know it and then the next thing comes along and that one stops and this one starts and it's just like this like most complex algebraic equation you could ever calculus 10 i don't know a moving target it's a moving target yeah. and you're just like, okay, I know. I will say he was still with jujitsu, which I was against because he would do great with it. Then all of a sudden he would use it as like a weapon. Ah, what? <sighs> so, you know, that's another tactic sometimes that parents use as well as like martial arts or getting them into something like karate where there's discipline and they respect and they have to listen to their instructor and things like that. So he even had, you know, some other adults in his life and he still wasn't able to succeed. Since he was 10 years oh, he started that six at six. Wow. His regular karate. And then, because his dad did a lot of jujitsu in the Navy, mm-hmm. which I'll get to later. What I would learn later is that during flares, these kids have like superhuman strength. And I would watch him sometimes. And I was like, well, I remember one meet specifically, you know, the coach did not like it all, but I said, I was like, let him go. He's turning blue. Let him go right now. I was like, let that child go, you know? And the coach like spun around like, don't do that, Mrs. Harris. And I'm like, whatever. I'm not going to sit here and watch this other child, you know? And of course he won, but I was like, okay, this is like the difference sometimes. Sometimes it's tactical and strategic. And sometimes it's just like. So as his, as you saw a rise in his symptoms, if he had a meet that he was going to you would see him kind of um you would see an uptake in his strength and you would see where 
almost those boundaries that he would normally follow were not there, right? Yes. Okay. 100%. You know, and then we're in the heat of battle and the coach is happy because he's winning the medals and, uh-huh. and you know, and then the, all the parents are happy. So you feel like an idiot. Like this is not, that's not okay. Let You know, yeah. and, every, and so it's just like everywhere I went, you know, and I was just like, it is a good thing. I had some, a good amount of self-confidence when I started this journey, because everywhere I went was just like, you know, she's crazy. She's yeah. crazy. And I was just like, I don't think I'm crazy. Maybe I just, you know, you kind of doubt yourself, but at one of the meets specifically, and this was horrible seventh or eighth grade. Cause these are all things that like, I wish I had really put more stock in at the time. He was fighting the champion from the year before which he should have never been up against okay. to get that far. Uh-huh. Cause he'd never even like done this specific one. And this kid had like one and it was wrestling, I think this time. Okay. And he was like, maybe a, a night freshman. I don't know. Somebody young, this kid was a senior. He, they end up in a match together. Somehow this kid who is much larger than him gets my son on his back. My, back, my son refuses to pin refuses to let his shoulder go down to the point that his clavicle bone snaps in half. Wow. Snaps in half. And I'm sitting there looking at him. His face turns gray. And then I'm like, general, get off of my child. And I'm like, get, get. And then that idiot referee is like trying to move him. I'm like, Okay, you know, you just have to get, sometimes you just got to get in there and take charge because, like, he's going to move him, and his bone is, like, tending through the skin. Oh, my gosh. Can't even breathe. He's in so much pain. And you you think that um, that was during one of his flares where he just was kind of a little, like, outside of himself, like, extreme. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think it was like either on in one or on the tail end of one. Okay. Like I read about it in America's infected, these flares, they were like a Metallica concert. <laughs> Cause it's like, and she was, my editor was like, you're going to have to come up with an analogy. I'm like, there is, there's not anything like these things because they would come and go. Some would be like short lived. Some could go on for weeks. Uh-huh. You know, some would go on for two or three days. And I was like, what's the pattern? What's the pattern? What's the pattern? Yeah. But it's like, you know, the crowd shuffles in, but you can see the low level anxiety. Then you walk on his toes. On his toes. And then it's like, you're like, oh, (laughs) you're like, it's coming. And you don't know what's coming. Right. You know, it's like, you just brace yourself and you try to get through it. You do the best you can. So anyway, we get to um, that point and I'm starting to see the bigger picture because he's making panic rooms. And he's getting really worried about things. And he's like, and his, his dad is like, oh, that's normal. And I'm like, this is not, this is not normal. There's like three panic rooms in this house. They're stuck with like green bean. I'm like, where's my groceries, my list, my inventory. I'm missing inventory. You know, they're up in these rooms. Go on. I mean, it just, you know, these are odd things, but he's never disrespectful to me. But you, you can know? see that he's being tormented. There's something wrong. So, yeah. Came down in the seventh grade with what we thought was ringworm all over him. Come to find out, I was like, take him to that 
doctor. I should have switched doctors, but I don't know if it would have been any better because nobody knew about it at the time anyway. What do uh-huh. you do? So he went, he came back and goes, oh, that's Rosiola. I'm like, this is he? I mean, he, that, you get that as an, a, a toddler, right? He's a seventh grade, seventh grader that's five feet six, got these all over him, got, got a, a toddler disease, and you're just like, it's normal. Huh. It's not normal. It's not normal to have big red rash all over you. Looking back now, it's probably a mycoplasma pneumonia rash. Okay. Probably. Okay. He also had a cyst on his left knee. The clavicle that broke was his left clavicle. Okay. So this is a left-sided predominant, and I don't know that I've quite figured it out, but there's hemispheres of the brain, and I feel like it's the ethoid situses. I feel like left is psych, right is movement, and mm-hmm. if you get some of both in the middle, then you might have a little of each. Okay. That's where I'm in today thinking that. But I noticed everything was on his left side. His eye would get swollen. So anyway, I mean, he wasn't disrespectful. The total transformation was total failure. <laughs> um, and so I sent him to school. I mean, I, I took him to Washington, D.C. to teach him culture, took him to a Buddhist temple, thought maybe I was, like, exposing mm. him to only one. He has taken these kids to every. <laughs> That's, that's what you call throwing the kitchen sink at it. <laughs> like, you... <laughs> just like, okay. Yeah, we did everything, everything you could do. And, we, and then we heard oregano oil, cut out red dyes, cut out sugar, uh-huh. cut out meat, cut out dairy. I mean, I did it, but I'm, I mean, and so I cut it out, watch. I'm like, this doesn't make a hill of beans worth of difference. Okay. <laughs> didn't touch it you know i mean maybe when he was in his good place it might have helped the hair sure you know but like as he's escalating it's uh, where's the tranquilizer gun (laughs) 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 so anyway i say that in a loving way because i could see where this was headed yeah and that's where it went you know and it was the loving thing that if we could have if i didn't know and i will tell you the only psychiatric medication that works in these kids is if i had known this then is a Prexa. You know, it's a cytokine immunomodulator. Okay. Um, psych meds do suppress the immune system, um, which we can use mm-hmm. to our advantage um, in certain strategic ways, uh-huh. you know, but it's the one that you can use PRN and it's pretty instant in terms of like sedation. Okay. And so like, you know, and also asking for the 10 milligram twice a day, you know, um, and then you can cut it in half and like do five and five. But I mean, that, that was, I just wish I'd have known that, you know, wish somebody would have told me. And that's why I'm doing all this now because yeah. we're better, but like who's there to help the people that aren't. And there's thousands and hundreds of thousands, of these Facebook groups, parents of children who have ODD, ADD, ADHD, uh-huh. anxiety, depression, suicidal tendencies, OCD. And I'm like, okay, that's alphabet soup. Yeah. The study impossible to have any names because it's not possible. So anyway, we, I had let all the names go, but I still have a little housekeeper. And so it was May of 2013 and uh, she came over to help and she was Spanish speaking. So she would help him with the school. Cause I had, I would keep him home no matter what, after that scare with the felony and the laxative, dumb and dumber, <laughs> I would just say whatever. And so I'd keep him home. So she helped me teach him Spanish sometimes. Well, they were in there working on Spanish. Well, she called me a few hours after she left and she said, Miss Elizabeth, I'm just going to tell you, I just went to the doctor because my throat was hurting. And I just, my heart dropped again. Uh-oh. I was like, because I hadn't seen anything like what I'd seen in 2010. Okay. Like I saw ups and downs and like nothing ever went back to baseline. Okay. 
from 2010, even though there might have been a little stuff going on before the acute onset in the first place, it was nothing like what was like after. So anyway, I was like, Elizabeth, you don't, you know, maybe he didn't get it. Just, just, you don't even know it's strep. You know, it's just a sore throat. It could be anything. You know, you talk yourself down from it. Mm-hmm. So I sent him to school. I get a phone call, like, I don't know, two or three. And he was scheduled for the plastic to get the cyst removed from his knee that day. Okay. And she said, I need to come get him. And I'm like, why? She goes, well, he's green. And um, he just threw up. And I'm like, oh, God. Because remember, in 2011, he'd thrown up. In 2010, right. it was his stomach stuff. And now he's green. I want you to know that I drove to that school, and he got in a car. And it was like I was picking up a different kid. Like, as many ups and downs as we'd had, it never crossed the line of, like, I don't know, like, where you didn't see it. I, as If you couldn't, couldn't fathom it as being normal, okay. you know, you just, like, you could still, it was within the realm of possibility, and it was never, like, hitting or, or hitting me. Or, mm-hmm. It was nothing, nothing like you see on TV right. until this day. Pick him up. I bring him home. And I look at him. He goes up to take a shower. And by this time, he's like six feet tall. I mean, the kids had his collarbone crashed and like managed to just like, I mean, he's he's become a weapon, I guess, mm-hmm. if you will. He's good. He's very good right. at this stuff he does. And so he's standing up there and I'm like, you know, we're not, I'm going to cancel that appointment. This is just like a normal time. I'm cancel that appointment for your knee. And he just spins around and looks over the rail and he goes, no, you're not. And I just remember sitting down there in the foyer and going, what? He said, no, you're not canceling that. I looked at him and it was just like, he looked hollow. Like his, his cheeks looked a little sunken in. He looked thin to me and very mean. Like it wasn't him. And that's when things just took a turn. And I was like, of course, I'm cussing the doctor. So I'm like, why couldn't you just give us penicillin so that he wouldn't get strep? You know? No, antibiotics are bad. Antibi- oh, okay, they're, they're, they're so bad that it's worth this. Like, this is what bad is, you know? And I'm like, he couldn't even do that. And so there's no test for pandas at the time. And so I call the doctor and I'm like, okay, this is next level. Like I know within a couple of days, I'm having to put my other kids in the in-law suite and shut the door because he's like pacing. And it's just like, okay, what is going on? Mm. So I call the doctor again. Can we do a strep test? I mean, and all he would do is that stupid throat swamp thing. Okay. I didn't mention that I had asked him a year before or two years before, can you do the blood drawn with the anti-DNA speed titers? No, you have to get that at Vanderbilt. So we got to check into an emergency room, pay $27,000 bill and whatever deductible is so he can get a blood draw. I, uh-huh. Cause I didn't understand it. So there was no walk-in labs there. There was no antibiotics you could get from India. I right. didn't know any of that. Right. And so I'm trapped like a freaking rat in a maze with this situation. And I'm just like, not knowing what to do. Of course, the parental support line is like done with me. I think I got fired from them very nicely. <laughs> Man, the next step is to call the detention center. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. Declined. You 
It's declined. It's declined. Declined. But so then I he, I get a letter from his doctor firing us as patients, saying my ongoing willful, um, I don't know, disobedience. Basically, as I read it, of his medical advice was grounds for termination of services. And because, no, I remember I found a test for PANDAS, molecular labs. Okay. Uh Had come out with a Cunningham panel. And like you can check, there's like these five, you know, antibodies that they look for that that are against like basal basal ganglion. There's different ones. It's really good. It's five. Everybody should take it. I've done it on adults and found stuff too, just by not me personally. But so I'm like, can you order this test? Order a test. Okay, you won't you won't do the blood draw, which I don't understand because I even offered to pay for it. So I'm thinking it's insurance. Maybe he doesn't want to abuse insurance. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, he won't order the test. And furthermore, I'm fired. I've got 30 days to bring my son in for acute care only. And I'm reading the letter. And I'm like, that's what it hits me. He doesn't think I've done anything he told me to do. That concludes part one of Elizabeth's story. Stay tuned for part two next week. I'd really like to connect with all of my listeners, so please find me on Instagram or Facebook at berkspharmacy.com. You can also find me at aiwarriorpodcast.com, and I also have a Facebook group that is called Autoimmune Warrior Podcast. I'd like to really connect with everyone. Podcasting is such an invisible way to talk to one another. So please find me on that Facebook group. You can have access to um, bonus video content like full-length interviews and outtakes. And we can connect as a community. So let's get connected. And until next time, be kind to yourself.